This morning we celebrate how much God loves us. Let's celebrate that right now. Thank you, God, for loving us. Man, what a powerful, what a powerful um, way to communicate the gospel. Isn't that something? There are so many ways to communicate the truth and the gospel. And, and I'm so glad our church isn't locked into just one way, you know. Uh, I just thank God that, that we're open to the arts. And, and uh, we just appreciate our creative arts director, Miss Betty Grantham, and all that she does in that area. And we got some talented people here who love Jesus. Uh, I tell you, to sit there and watch that. I don't know if you all noticed, but those girls were just weeping, like me. <laughs> I've been all weepy this morning. So I'm going to preach a, a sermon about how you men ought to just get sensitive. All right, here we go. <laughs> you can be born a male, but it takes maturity to be a man. You're young only once, but you can be immature forever. What we're going to talk about in this series is how to be a real, masculine, virile, godly, biblical man. Now, I got to tell you, I wrestled with God because I wanted to do a Christmas series. I said, God, there's some good stuff in the Bible about Christmas. He said, I know about Christmas. <laughs> and... Um, I really wanted to do a series on, I mean, that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I had some good stuff. And God said, I want you to preach to the men. He's, here's what God said. In my, when I say God said, I mean, just in my quiet time and in my prayer time. And, and I got to tell you, God ministers to me a lot. You know, I don't know about you, but when I first lay down at night to go to sleep, and that little bit of time there before you do actually go to sleep, those are some times I really um, hear from the Lord. And he, he said, I want you to talk to your men. He said, I want to do a work among the men of Whitley Church. I want to do a work among the men at the bridge. And, and I, I just heard him say in my heart, Farrell, if we can get the men to rise up, if we can get the men to rise up and be the leaders in their home that I've called them to be from the very beginning. He said, you're going to see your church, you're going to see your particular local church grow spiritually. He said, I've blessed you numerically, but I want to do more in your church spiritually. He said, and the key to it is getting your men to go beyond just saying, well, I, I know Christ. Christ lives in my heart. And to go deeper and to accept their role of responsibility. And so, guys, I'm going to preach on this today. And, and it's, it's straight up, man. I'm going to give it to you straight up. I'll tell you, just like one preacher said, he got up to preach. He said, I'm going to give it to you just like God gave it to me. You know? So I'm going to give you the word as God has put it in my heart. But I want to tell you that the mailman gets a tax notice just like everybody else. You all know what I mean by that? I'm the mailman. Well, the mailman gets bills in the mail too. So this message is to me. It starts with me actually. I can't get up here and, and talk to you about things that I'm not willing to at least say I see the need in my own life. 
So I say that to you this morning. As I've gone through this study, I see the need in me. Guys, I'm going to challenge you in this coming year, and we're going to give, we're going to be giving out in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be giving out um, plans for you to read through the Bible in 2010. If you want to read through the whole Bible, we're going to give you a plan, put it in your hands so you can read a certain passage every day, and by the end of the year, in 2010, you will have read the whole Bible. Now, if you're not ready for that, that's a little much, then we're going to also have some um, for the New Testament, to just read through the New Testament in, in the new year, in 2010. It's time for men in Whitley Church to get in the Word. It's time for men in Whitley Church to get on their knees. Now, I'm, you say, well, what about the women? I understand that. But you know what I have found? When men will lead, the women will gladly follow that. So, guys, let's rise up. It's time to rise up and be what God has called us to be. If there's anything in America, in our very own community, and throughout the world that there's a shortage of, it is, a men, it is men who will stand up in their home and say, as for this house, as for me, and this house, we are going to serve the Lord. I will say to you girls who aren't married yet, to write this stuff down because this is the kind of man you ought to marry. I also want to say to you girls, you're not going to marry the right man if you don't have your core values in order. Somebody said it's far better to marry a man who is poor and doesn't have a cent than it is to marry a man who has a million dollars and isn't worth a cent. Amen, amen? <laughs> don't point at anybody. So we're talking about real men. You know what? It doesn't matter what the world calls a real man. What we need to be concerned about as people who are in church this morning is what does God say a real man is? A real man is a man with biblical core values. Now a true man has to be developed. True men aren't just born they have to be developed. I heard about a missionary who went down to a South American village, and he asked the uh, chief of that village, he said, are any great men born here? He said, no, sir, just babies. <clears throat> See, you have to become a great, man, a great man. Great men aren't born. You may be a male, but you have to grow up to be a man. The Bible says in Psalm 128, Verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> blessed or blessed or happy. Can I just ask you and you just say amen if you agree <clears throat> or you want this. Does anybody here want to be blessed or happy? Okay, all right. Here's the criteria to be blessed and happy. Blessed, happy is everyone, not just men, but everyone who fears, reveres, and worships the Lord. That's a three-point sermon right there. Fears, reveres, and worships the Lord. Who walks in his ways and lives according to his commandments. If you fear, revere, worship, walk in the ways of the Lord and according to his commandments, you are going to be blessed. You are going to be happy. Now that happy isn't a happy that is based on circumstances. It is a joy that is on the inside. The choir sung about it today. See, when you've got joy, that isn't based on your environment. Joy is based on what's inside of you. 
Verse 2, for you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. Here it is again, happy, blessed shall you be, and it shall be well with you. Don't you like it when stuff is just well with you? He's telling you right here in the word of God how to make it that way, how to have that in your life. Your wife, so he's talking to the men because now he says your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the innermost parts of the house. Your children shall be like olive plants round about your table. And we're going to get into what that means. It's very powerful. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed. Who? The man. So shall the man be blessed, happy, fulfilled. Who what? Reverently and worshipfully fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you out of Zion, his sanctuary. And may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. So what is real manliness? What is God's plan for man? You know, when you get a new refrigerator, you get a book with it. Now, you are going to see men this time of year look at you and say, I don't need the book. Isn't that true, ladies? Honey, here, here's the book. I don't need the I Give me a screwdriver, some duct tape, and bailing wire. I'm good. <laughs> and at 4 o'clock in the morning, he will say something like this. Where is the book? <laughs> Get a dishwasher, new one. Get a book. I was at a men's ministry meeting one time, and we were trying to figure out how we were going to do some work at the church. And somebody said, has anybody got a cement mixer? The guy said, yeah, but I'll have to get her up. I think he was in the hospital about two weeks. Get a stereo set, CD player, whatever they call it these days. Golly, I don't even know how to buy stereo anymore. Mister, do you want MP three seventy four dash? Just give me a track tape player. <laughs> I still got some three dog night. <clears throat> Mama told me not to come. All right, <laughs> young people here going, what's he talking about? <laughs> um, but you get a book when you get that stuff. I want you to know, guys. Hey, guys. There's a book that tells you how to be a husband. There's a book that tells you how to be a father. It's the Bible, the Word of God. You're not going to get it from Tom Brokaw. I'm sure he's a fine man. You're not going to get it from Donald Trump or that thing on his head. (laughs) You sure aren't going to get it from Tiger Woods. By the way, he is not tiger anymore. He is cheetah. (laughs) Some of y'all just bust out laughing on the way home, I guarantee you. You won't even get it from studying John Wayne. Now, John Wayne was a man's man. I got to tell y'all, when I first came to Whitley Church, 
You know, Whitley is on the Johnston County, Wayne County line. So I was trying to think of a more, you know, contemporary name for our church. I thought about calling it the John Wayne Community Church. <laughs> and I could see some marketing with that. How you doing, neighbor? <laughs> Come on out to the John Wayne Community Church. And that I walked. John Wayne, he was a man's man. But you're not going to learn it from him. You're going to learn God's plan for the man from the Word of God, from the Bible. There's a basic fundamental difference between men and women. Hello? You say, well, why do you say that? Because the world, Satan, the world system, trying their best to blur the distinctions between men and women. The distinctions between men and women are very Many and very important. The Bible says in Genesis 1.27, God made them in the beginning male and female. Many in our society today are trying to tell us that there's no fundamental difference between men and women. And they're telling us this in the name of equality. Equality. Well, I've got to tell you something, man. Men and women are equal. They are equal. I think if a woman does the same work as a man, she ought to get the same pay. I think if she does better work than a man, she ought to get more pay. Amen. I believe we ought to treat them with total equality. But that doesn't mean that because men and women are equal that they're the same. They're not the same. And here, I will join the French on this one. Maybe I'll get the French back. Viva la différence. You know what that means? Long live the difference. I like the difference. I'm 53, but I ain't dead. Amen? <laughs> Viva la différence. American psychologist and advice columnist, Dr. Joyce Brothers, certainly wouldn't call her a Bible thumper, even really that much of a conservative. Here's what she said. Are men and women really so different? They are. They really are. She said, I've spent months talking to biologists and neurologists and geneticists and research psychologists and physiologists, and what I've discovered was that men and women are really more different than I had known. Their bodies are different. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is woman's right like she's just found this out. Their minds are different. Men are different from the very composition of their blood to the way their brains develop. Sometimes they don't develop at all, which means that men think and experience life differently from women. It's almost become an article of faith in our modern society. And, and uh, you know, it, it's almost like you feel tremendous pressure. I even feel pressure. You know, there are things I used to get up and preach on 20 years ago. I never hesitated. And now it's kind of like, you know, I've got to make sure I say this right. I'm going to say it, but I've got to make sure I say it right. Because you guys have been so saturated in the humanistic um, liberal message that when pastor stands up and preaches directly from the word of God, it kind of, it's rough. Am I making sense there? 
It goes against the grain because we've been conditioned to be politically correct about things. And, and one of the things that we're being pushed on every day, just look at the liberal media all around you. The liberal They're pushing on us this politically correct position that there's really no significant differences between the sexes apart from the most obvious ones. But the fact is, there are many important differences between the sexes uh, other than just their reproductive organs. Dr. Paul Papineau was an American agricultural explorer. He was a eugenicist and had been called the father of marriage counseling in the United States. Here's what he said, talking about the difference between men and women. He said, men and women differ in every cell of their bodies. This difference is in the chromosome combination. Uh, this difference in the chromosome combination is the basic cause of the development into maleness and femaleness as the case may be. Women have greater constitutional vitality, perhaps because of this chromosome difference. He says, normally, women outlive men by three to four years in the United States. And they call you the weaker sex. And you're living up, outliving us three to four years. Dr. Pompineau also said that women's blood contains more water. It contains 20% fewer red blood cells. And these are the cells that supply oxygen to our body cells. Therefore, she tires more easily and is more prone to faint. Her constitutional vitality is therefore strictly a long-range matter. In other words, women are living longer than we are. Men may have more energy in the short term, but we die earlier. Aren't you guys excited about that? <laughs> he gave an illustration. He said, when... Um, when the working days in British factories under, war, under wartime conditions increased from 10 hours a day to 12, accidents of women increased 150%. Accidents among men didn't increase at all because it shows that the woman's vitality is a longer life. Men don't live as long but have more short-term energy. Why is this significant? Pastor, why do you talk about what Dr. Paul Pompineau would say or what Dr. Joyce Brothers would say because it is further evidence not from the religious community, not from some preacher, not from some conservative who people say, <coughs> well, they'd automatically have that view, but it is evidence from the scientific community that there are basic, vital, fundamental, psychological, physiological, chemical, chromosomal differences, major differences between men and women. Now, having said all that and understanding that in the beginning God made male and female, I want to tell you what Gloria Steinem said. Now, do you know, y'all know her? Gloria Steinem is one of the leading feminists in the modern feminist movement, and I quote, Women are human beings first with minor differences from men that apply largely to the act of reproduction. She's saying really the only difference between men and women are that women can have children. Well, she says it right here. The only functional difference between men and women is the woman's ability to give birth. And then she says this. Therefore, a woman's need of a man is like a fish needing a bicycle. I know there's some of you women out there right now going, amen, amen. 
Gloria Steinem says there's no basic difference between men and women, but God made man and God made woman. God made male and God made female, and he made them different, and he made them for specific purposes. And in our text in Psalm 128, we're going to find out what a real man is. Alrighty? So God has a plan for men. God has a plan for me. As a man, God has a plan for every man sitting here today. Number one, let me give you this and then we're done. The first thing God wants from you as a real man is a faithful walk. A faithful walk. Let's look at it. Psalm 128.1. Blessed, there it is, happy is everyone who does what? Fears, reveres, worships the Lord. Here it is, here it is. Who walks... See, the word walk gives the connotation of lifestyle. Lifestyle. How, how often do you walk? How often do you get around? Every day. God says, I want you to walk in my ways. He says, I want you to live according to my compa- uh, commandments. This is the pattern that God lays out for a husband and a father to set before his children And his wife. You, sir, are to be a worshiping father in front of your children. Your children need to hear you pray. Your children need to hear you pray. You say, well, I don't really pray that well. I'm not, you know, really articulate. I tell you what, you let them misbehave and break something that you hold dear and precious and you get real articulate. And loud, amen. Learn to do that at prayer time. Learn to be a dad who can pray out loud. Listen, one of the things you can do is write your prayers down. Write a prayer. If you're not really good at public prayers, dads, write your prayer down. Just write it down and go, um, you know, dad was writing a little bit the other day during his devotional time, and I wrote this prayer for our family. And just pray it together as a family. Be a worshiping father. Be a worshiping husband. Be a godly father. Be a godly husband. Um, God is calling us to personal, (laughs) consistent walk in him. The point is that a man's wife and children need to see that husband. They need to see that father walking with God. Now, why is this so important? And I want you to listen carefully to me, and I'm probably going to say something right here some of you have never heard before, but it is in the Word of God. Listen very carefully. In the home, the man is a picture of something. In the home, the man is a type of something. And I want to tell you what the man is a picture of, a type of. The man in the home is a picture of God. You say, you do not know my husband. I'm not saying he acts like God or he's doing what God wants him to do. I'm telling you that this is God's plan. That that a man be that picture of God in front of his wife and in front of his children. Jesus taught us to call, listen to this now, in the nursery, in the preschool, and in our older kids' church out there, We are teaching the children to say when they talk to God, heavenly what? Father. So then, 
this big guy, after they've had kids' church, after they've had nursery, comes by and picks them up, and they look at him, and they say, this is my father. So they're getting taught. Think about their little minds. They're getting taught that God is to be called father, and that the guy that picks me up after kids' church We call him father too. So what goes on in their little mind? Here's what happens. My dad is like God. If I'm going to get a picture of how God is, I really can't see God and I'm this little kid. So the way I'm going to figure out how God is and how God acts and what God does is they tell me to call that man up there, I've never seen father, and they tell me to call this man father, so this man must be like that man. Whoo! That's huge right there. I'm going to tell you guys, when you let it sink in, that how you act and how you talk and how you are in front of your children is going to show your children who God in heaven is like. That will make you, as my daddy used to tell me when I was little, make you straighten up and fly right, won't it? See, it's not just about you, sir. It's about them little babies. We're taught to pray God, our Father, in the home. This is important, what I'm about to say. In the home, the husband is to represent Almighty God to the children, and he represents the Lord Jesus Christ to his wife. The man is to represent Almighty God to his children and the Lord Jesus Christ to his wife. The the Bible says in Romans 8, 15, listen to this now. God sent his Holy Spirit into us when we, remember I talked about that second birth in my prayer. When you were born the second time of the Spirit, when you asked Jesus into your life. The Holy Spirit was sent into you at that time to make you cry out, Abba, Father. Abba. That word Abba is like... um, that's Romans 8, 15. It's like um, a little baby saying, Dada. Do y'all remember the first time your little man or your little woman said, Dada? I mean, that's, and then they grow up and become a professional football player, and they put the camera on, and they go, Hi, Mom. <laughs> the truth. But we're taught to say, Abba, Father. Daddy, Father, to think of God as a Father. Then in Ephesians 5.22, it addresses the wife, and it says to the wives that they are to submit to their own husbands as unto the Lord. So it is saying to us that to our children, men, we are a picture of Almighty God, and to our wife, we are to be a picture of Jesus Christ. That's That's a pretty tall order right there. It says, wives, be subject, submissive. Be submissive to your husband. Adapt yourselves to your own husbands as a service to the Lord. The reason men are to live such a godly life is that you're modeling God in front of your family. You're modeling what God is like, what Jesus is like. 1 Corinthians 11.3, listen to this. Listen to this now. But I want you to know and realize that Christ is the head of every woman, uh, every man. Christ is the head of every man. No argument there. Christ is the head of every man. But this part, second part, there's some argument. And the head of a woman is her husband. I know, I know you're not saying it out loud, but inside you're going, ho, ho, ho. 
Because the world teaches us differently because, see, the world tells you that that means, when the church says that, that that means the man is the boss. It doesn't mean the man is the boss. It means that in every organization, somebody has to lead. And God has ordained it that the man lead. Now, I want you to notice something. And the head of Christ... The head of Christ is what? God. You say, oh, time out. I thought Jesus and God the Father were co-equal. They are co-equal. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are co-equal. But the Bible right here says that the head of Christ is God the Father. It's just like the husband and wife. Listen, you are co-equal. You are co-equal with your husband. But there has to be... There has to be a chain of command. And God has said that the man is to lead. So while God the Father and God the Son are co-equal and co-eternal, the Father is still the head of the Son. The Father's, God the Father is still the head of Jesus Christ. He sent His Son. Y'all with me? So therefore, while the husband and the wife are of equal worth, the husband is to lead his family spiritually. 1 Corinthians eleven seven says, For a man is the image and reflected glory of God. What does that mean? It means that he, he, the man, is the image and glory of God. His function of government in the home reflects the majesty of the divine rule. That's what that means. That's what I've been preaching on. Sir, you represent God in your house. But woman is the expression of man's glory, man's majesty, man's pre eminence. Let me just make it simple. In the home, the man pictures Almighty God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The woman pictures the bride of Christ. The woman pictures the church. See, Jesus is coming one day. He's coming back. Now, we're, as a matter of fact, in 2010, I am going to do a series on the end time. And I'm going to talk about the end times in 2010. I probably will do it in the summer like I did the 23rd Psalm. We'll just talk about what's going to happen in the end times. But there is an event called, and this is what we believe here at Whitley Church, and you can believe differently. Wow, I've been preaching way too long. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to stop. Um, Jesus is going to rapture us. He's coming back to get us. And the Bible says he is the bridegroom. And we, the church, who have been washed in the blood of Jesus. Remember, Pastor Jared preached on that last Sunday. We are the bride. We're the bride. Jesus is coming for his bride. So in the home, the woman is a picture of, of the bride of Christ. And the man is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. So guys, let me just close real quick because I've gone over. Don't ever get the idea that religion and spirituality is primarily for the woman and the children. God demands more spirituality from the man than he does from the woman. Do you hear me? I'm going to tell you something. The women have carried the load of spirituality and in intimacy with God way too long. And I'll tell you something, that is why a lot of churches split and there's a lot of uh, confusion. Not, I'm not saying the women caused it, I'm saying men have abdicated their role. 
They have abandoned their role as the spiritual leaders of the local church, and they have abandoned their role as spiritual leaders in the home, and they have got it in their mind because of the secular message being poured into us that the Bible and Jesus and God and all of that is sort of, sort of a, a sissy thing. It's not manly. I had a man tell me one time, I was talking to him about Jesus. He said, he said, see that lady over there? I said, yeah. He said, that's my wife. She takes care of the religion in our family. I thought to myself, yes, yeah, she'll go to heaven and you'll go to hell. I didn't say that, but I thought it. So I'm calling on the men of Whitley Church. Come on, guys. I go do revivals and speak at churches all the time. I have opportunities to speak. The women are leading. The women are leading. And look, I thank God we got excellent leaders. We got excellent women speakers. We got excellent women preachers. We got excellent women teachers. We got excellent women leaders in this church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about men sitting in the background passively while women are up leading in roles that were meant for the men to get up and lead in those roles. Thank you, ladies. Those sound like little female hands clapping right there. I like that. Coming from my women. They know I'm not picking on them. I'm not putting them down. They want some leadership. They want to see some men of God get right and get holy and fall in love with the Word and start being the man of God that God has called them to be. Over one-third of America's children are not living with their natural fathers. Over 20 million kids are growing up in homes without fathers. Listen to this statistic. 70% of men in prison grew up without a father. Man, if we could get daddies doing what they ought to be doing, we'd clean out our jailhouses. Since 1920, the divorce rate has gone up 1,420%. Baby boomers, I are one. Because baby boomers are people born between 1946 and 1964. All the guys came back from World War II and got busy. <laughs> so a bunch of us were born. And, and the baby boomers, the divorce rate among us is twice that of our parents. Somebody needs to stand up. Some preacher somewhere in some church needs to stand up and say, Men, you are to walk in the ways of the Lord. You are to revere him. You are to worship him. You are to honor and respect him and walk in his ways and walk in his commandments. Dr. David Elkin said we see more children. He's a child psychologist. He said we see more children today who show symptoms of stress and headaches and stomach aches and depression and learning problems. And then they grow up and become adults. And many of them feel that they've missed out on important parts, an, an important part of their life because they were never able to be a child when they were a child. They feel used and abused. And this doctor says, my concern is that if, if these children didn't feel cared and, and, and uh, loved, cared for and loved back then, that they don't even know how to care uh, for or love anyone else, let alone themselves. He says, we have created a large number of children who are emotional misfits. Faithfulness. We're talking about faithfulness. We need our men to be faithful. Let me tell you something about you men. You, 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 we talk about women being emotional. 
men are the world's worst, but they got to feel their religion or they're not religious. They got to feel something. They got to get, listen, you got to walk in God when it's dark. You got to walk in God when it's cold. You got to walk in God when you don't feel anything. You got to have that devotion when there's no reason to have that devotion. You don't feel any desire to have that devotional time. You got to go in there and kiss on them babies when you're more worried about bills than you're worried about children. Listen, sir, manage your home and let all that stuff be secondary. Put God primary in your home. Lead your children and lead your wife. And I'm telling you, my Bible says all will be well with you. It'll all be well with you. When a man makes a promise to his family and then follows through on that promise, he has created an island of certainty in a world, an ocean of uncertainty. When a man makes a promise to his wife and children and then he keeps that promise, he creates a small sanctuary of trust within a jungle of unpredictability. Stu Weber wrote a book called Tender Warrior. We're going to get that book for you guys. We're working on it right now. We're going to bring it in so you can purchase it for your library. Here's what he said. Fathers and husbands need to learn faithfulness. This is right out of his book. He said, stand by your promises. Never, never let go, no matter what. When marriage isn't fun, stay with it. When parenting is over your head, stay at it. When work, your career is crushing your spirit, don't let it beat you. When your local church is overwhelmed with pettiness, stand by it. When your children let you down, pick them up. When your wife goes through a six-month mood swing, (laughs) live with it. But i got to tell you something right there. Men are just as moody as women. We sulk and pout and walk around and things didn't go just right and we won't talk and we, man, I don't even want to hear it. I just, she just hurt my feelings. But I am masculine. When it's 4th and 14 and there's no time on the clock, throw another pass. Stay with it. Be the man. Be faithful. Understand that the heart of staying power is sacrifice. And sacrifice means giving oneself up for the good of another. For the ultimate example of staying power, Stu Weber says, turn your eyes to the Lord Jesus. When he could have turned away from the cross, he stayed the course. Setting his face like a flint all the way to Calvary. When he could have come down from the cross and sidestepped the suffering, he stayed. We could have summoned armies of angels to deliver him. And he could have called down divine airstrikes from heaven on his adversaries. He did not. He stayed on the cross. He persevered and he stayed all the way until the moment came when he could cry out, It is finished. It is finished. Here's what I want us to do this morning. And I know we're way over time. And we're probably going to have to start second service late and all that stuff. But that's one of the powers of senior pastor. Okay. I want all my men to come up here. Every man. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Men, men, men. All males. All males. Come on. All my men. All my men, come up tight, guys. Come up tight. 
All right, girls, come on. Get in behind you men. Everybody come in. Come in. Get in behind you men. You want to see a revival among the men of our church? We want to see God do something great among the men of our church. Are your eyes open? Are, is your heart open to say, God, I will. I will. Father, I present myself as a part of this church family. And I say, God, to you today, do in me what you desire. God, reveal to me the areas of my life where I'm rebelling against you. Do not let me get away with my rebellion. Do not let me ignore my rebellion. I want to be a picture of God to my wife. I want to be a picture of God to my children. I want them to be able to look at me and learn about God. Father, with every head bowed, ladies, just reach up, touch somebody. Guys, reach over and touch, you, touch your buddy beside you. Put your hand on his shoulder. Let's lift each other up. I'm telling you, if we have revival among our men, you're going to see God do some incredible, amazing, supernatural things. Some of you men are the only link that other men have to Jesus. You work with guys who do not know the Lord and do not go to church, and you're their only hope of hearing the gospel. Don't you drop the ball. Don't you drop the ball, guys. Don't you fail. Listen, you're not a Christian just for your sake. You're a Christian for your wife's sake. You're a Christian for your children's sake. You're a Christian for that guy at work or that girl at work that doesn't know the Lord. You're their only link. You're the only Jesus they know. Father, we repent of our sins. Come on, guys. We repent of our sins, God. We repent of our sins. We repent, God, of our uh, addiction to pornography. We repent of our uh, lust when we see other women. We repent, God, of the lust in us. We repent, God, of getting away from our prayer lives. We repent of getting away from the Word of God. We repent, God, for letting our wives be the spiritual leaders in our home when it should have been us the whole time. We are sorry about that, God. We apologize. God, teach me. Teach me to be the man in my home that I'm supposed to be. Don't let me get away with handing that responsibility to somebody else. It's my responsibility. I take ownership of that. Lift up your men, ladies. Lift them up. Lift them up. I know you want leadership from them. Father, thank you for the willingness of these men to come. Thank you for your word today. If you're up here today and you don't know Jesus, that's the place you've got to start. You've got to start right there and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you in my life. I've been running from you. I've been making all kinds of excuses, God. But not today. Right here, right now, in my little private moment with you, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I pray that you will save me. I want to experience that second birth right now. I invite you, Jesus, into my heart. Say it right now, guys. Say it right now. I invite you, Jesus, into my heart. Come into my life, Jesus. Rule in my life. Reign in my life. Be my master. Make me what I could never make myself be with discipline or any other ability. I need supernatural help, and I invite Jesus into my heart today. Jesus, come into my life. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I beg you, nobody looking around. If you prayed that prayer today, you made that commitment to Jesus, man or woman, will you just lift up your hand and say, I made that commitment today. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.
God bless you. Can we just rejoice in the Lord right now and just give God praise? Amen, amen.